You're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 30. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another amazing episode of Business and Life Conversations podcast, and I'm your host, Angela Henderson from Angela Henderson Consulting. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of a media release for business growth, and joining us on the podcast today is Susie Campbell from Little Black Book Marketing. We're going to be discussing what is a media release, why would you choose to use a media release in your business, aka what are the benefits, five key ingredients on how to create a media release, and Susie's also going to give us three wonderful suggestions on where to send your media release once you've created, obviously, your media release. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Susie. Gosh, well, thank you. I know we're all very busy, so I appreciate you Demi, popping some time aside to come on and talking about all things media, and I'm super excited to have you on board today. Now, before we jump in, again, this is kind of stock standard for my podcast. I like the listeners to be able to get to know a little bit about you um, on a personal level and obviously and also a business level before we hone in on, obviously, your expertise today, which is one element of your expertise, I should say, media releases. So I want to talk to them about, you know, share a little with us about what brought you to Australia five years ago. And I also was really curious about how you became self-employed, because from what I remember reading somewhere is that you used to be a Royal Navy officer. And to now a creative publicist and a marketer to start up. So tell us a little bit about you mean your story. <laughs> yes, it's a it's a funny one. So yes, I was um, in the British Royal Navy um, for about twelve years, and um, I decided to come out for um, family. So my husband was also a serving uh, naval officer and we were literally ships passing in the night one would be away then the other so we decided well something needs to give here and I got an urge to start my own business I wanted to do something else and so I decided to come out and we knew we wanted children so I left um, and I actually started a business in the UK um, helping other military people when they're leaving the services to find a job in Civvy Street. So mm-hmm. it's quite a niche recruitment agency. Um, and I did that. And I also worked um, in on a large retail project, uh, retail management project um, in the UK with Tesco's, which some people will be familiar with. You have a big and supermarket chain, isn't it? Very big supermarket yes. chain. Yes, huge. <laughs> um, so like your Coles, but even bigger. Um, so yeah, and then my husband got offered the opportunity to transfer to the Australian Navy. And so we thought, why not? <laughs> and so uh, by which time I'd already got baby number one. Uh-huh. And then we arrived in Australia and baby two was just three months old. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So two littlies. And um, so, yeah, so we came over here primarily for his his transfer, his job here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had this vision that I was going to, you know, take a bit of maternity leave, chill out for a bit, relax. 
and um, I just couldn't do that. I was itching <laughs> to, to do something, and um, I couldn't sit around all day with with two little ones. And I didn't know anybody here. We've got no family here, so I wanted to get out and start meeting people. Um, and so I started chatting to local people, connecting on Facebook, um, no idea what I wanted to do. And I got chatting to a lady who had um, a couple of shops, um, retail shops. She sold um, baby clothes and nappies and, and it was the cloth nappy thing. So my I brought my boys up on cloth nappies mm-hmm. and she sold cloth nappies and she wanted someone to help her with marketing. And so I thought, well, I can't actually go and work in a shop and I sort of can't do what she was asking. So I just sent her an email with a heap of ideas um, and suggestions for how she could market herself. Um, and, and she came back and she said, I love all your ideas. Please, will you work with me? Um, so she was great and she allowed me to work flexibly. And so I just worked from home, contracted for 10 hours a week. And I juggled it around the, my two kids. <laughs> and as soon as I could afford a day's childcare, I put them in. And it just sort of grew from there. And I was her sort of marketing and PR girl for about uh, just over a year, probably. But during that time, I connected with lots of other business owners because I used media and partnerships and did lots of sort of creative marketing for her. And so word of mouth and referral, and before I know it, I had a handful of clients and I thought I ought to do this properly. And so that's how Little Black Little Black Book Marketing came about. Absolutely. And it did become a little black book of contacts that I just started to build and build. And it's what I did in the UK with the Navy. So People are probably wondering how on earth do you go from the Navy to doing media and marketing. Um, when I was in the Navy, I worked on some large projects alongside civilian contractors. And part of what I did was to organize, one of them was a huge event, like a 30, 40,000 people event. Um, so I needed to market that and use the media. Um, and I did another project uh, in the catering, retail and leisure space and again had to do marketing and media. So it was very practical and I learned as I went. So I'm not marketing trained. Um, everything I've done is from actually doing it. So I loved it when I was there. And so when I came over here, it didn't even cross my mind um, to do it. But yeah, I just sort of naturally love creative marketing. So yeah, so I did it for her and here I am. So you moved over five years ago almost to the day from what I remember in September, I think, sometime. And so how long has Little Black Book Marketing been up then? Well, nearly four years. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, it kind of evolved. As I say, there was no set start date. So when I was just... (laughs) When I was operating and, and helping this this shop owner, I didn't have a, a name or website, nothing. I just registered my ABN. It's Susie Campbell, and and it wasn't until, as I say, I'd got a handful of clients, and I sat. I remember that. Remember it vividly. And I sat at my desk one day, and I thought, I want to do this properly. Um, you know, I've got four or five clients now. I don't have a business name. Um, let's do it. So. It was, it, and all the only <laughs> the only way I can decide how long I've been running is to kind of look at my uh, accounting software and when my invoices <laughs> were, and, and I it was kind of around the end of 2014. Yeah. So I'd uh, I'd been here just over a year when I made the decision. Uh, this is it, and came up with the name. 
And, well, skin uh, is great. It's so fun. And sometimes that's where the best ideas are formed. You're not even thinking about them. I can relate to that, that with Angela Henderson Consulting, it was never even part of the business plan with Finley and me, my first <laughs> business. It was that people kept asking for cups of coffee. Can I take you out? And that was happening literally probably eight to 10 times a month. And I thought, hold on a minute. And I'd have to buy my own coffee sometimes. And I'm like, well, if this is happening and I charge a little bit per person, I could actually have a secondary business and then have the consulting arm of it. And yeah, yeah. so sometimes you don't even plan things they just kind of happen and evolve and that's kind of I like it that way sometimes yeah yeah it was great and I think because there was no pressure so it wasn't oh gosh I'm in startup and I need to do something I'd already kind of started I was already doing what I did um and so yeah I didn't feel that pressure and I made a pact with myself that um it would be profitable from day one I didn't have money to invest um and so every time my sales increased I paid for another day's childcare basically until I could get them both and I got them up to sort of three or four days um and had a a day or two off with them I did a a sit swap with another local lady that I met she used to take my youngest for a day and 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 I just grew it around that and then now well this year my youngest started school so now I'm properly (laughs) full-time in the trenches yeah absolutely but I grew my team as I went so it wasn't all me so I started growing my team from the first year um I took on a VA um, and then I started taking people onto payroll, and yeah. now I've got um, four, five, <laughs> four or yeah. five. How good is that? That's fantastic. Because what part of Australia are you in? Sydney. Sydney, lovely, great Sydney. place. And obviously, yes, it will keep you very, very busy there and nationally. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, yeah. And so, listen, obviously, I love hearing about the business side, but on a side note, on a personal note, you have to tell us what's your all-time favorite movie, though, because, again, it's good so people can see a little bit of the other side of Susie. Oh, okay. Well, I love The Shawshank Redemption, uh-huh. and I love, like, the Tom Cruise movies, so Cocktail. <laughs> Goodness, Cocktail, though, I haven't heard that for a while. <laughs> yeah, so oldies. I mean, obviously some great young, uh, great new movies, but they're some of my all-time favorites. <laughs> yes, no, no, I do have to agree. I do love cocktail. I do love a good Tom Cruise. Again, he is good eye candy. Let's be honest. To look at one. <laughs> so, I mean, again, that's totally another podcast, probably. But anyway, yeah, I do love it. Now, in the world where we're at, businesses are growing very, very quickly. Technology is growing very, very quickly. But yeah. there are still some elements that have been around for a very, very long time. And, and anyone who's worked with me knows I'm a huge believer in foundational growth. You have to have the foundations laid before you can really leverage and start to scale. And yeah. one of those, I do believe, is that around do you know I mean, media releases, press releases, and we'll, and we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute, but the importance of you know, for example, businesses, you know, we're constantly turning to the social media outlets, you know, and people are really putting all their eggs into one basket, you know, with Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, etc., to get the word out about their company, their new products, different news, etc. And even though each of these particular platforms do offer a unique way to create a positive brand and a reputation and potentially even increase their sales, in my opinion, in my experience, I, what I found is that these platforms will only spread the word so far. And, and again, that's also dependent on algorithm changes, 
how much you're putting into an advertising budget. So for me, is I think businesses really need to be looking at the bigger picture around the publicity side. And again, what we're going to talk about today is one way that they can start doing this is through media. And so today I've brought you on board to be able to talk about, you know, what is a media release? But I guess before we even jump into what is a media release, just for the listeners out there, so we're not confusing anyone, Susie and I were chatting before the podcast about some people might get confused between a press release and a media release. So do you want to clarify that for the listeners out there, Susie? Yeah, sure. And it is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, Press release was a term used when traditionally a press release was sent to the press, to the print media. Um, Whereas these days, as you know, there's more than just newspapers and magazines out there. People are, are using TV and radio and podcasts and um, digital media. So there's a lot more media types out there. So um, generally, it's now known as a media release as opposed to a press release. But fundamentally, it's exactly the same. Exactly the same. Again, we're just moving with the times, you could say. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so with, the, uh, with so many marketing techniques out there, let's be honest, there's a guru for marketing every time I turn on Facebook. Someone <laughs> saying something, there can be quite conflicting information again. And I think the beauty is, is as business owners, we'll take a little bit of what we need to create our own kind of marketing techniques for our individual businesses. But yeah. why in your particular, um, I guess, niche market or with your expertise around media, marketing, etc., why would businesses want to choose a media release in their business and and really what are the benefits of that yeah so I always say to people uh, if um if the public read about you in a paper or hear about you on the radio or see you on tv rightly or wrongly you have instantly elevated your positioning your credibility and positioned yourself as an expert because let's face it if you've been interviewed on radio you must be pretty good they want to talk to you So you've instantly bypassed, and if we're looking at the sort of the marketing um, line of know, like, try, trust, you've instantly gone to trust. They already trust what you say and who you are because you're on the TV or you're in the paper. Um, And so that's one great reason to use media. Uh, It positions you straight away. One of the other great reasons is not many small businesses do it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them don't do it because they don't know how to. They don't even think about it. They think they're not media worthy. Why would anyone want to read about my business? Or they think it's really expensive because there's some PR agencies out there that will, you know, charge you thousands a month and you get very little return. So they've probably heard the horror stories. So that's another great reason. Another great reason is because there aren't many small businesses who do do it or do it well, you can stand out from the very crowded digital space. As we know, to, to, get, uh, to stand out with a Facebook ad, you've got to pump a lot of money into it. And even then, there's no real guarantees it will work. And yes, there's no guarantees with media, but you're instantly in a space that isn't as crowded um, because people aren't using it. And I always use an example of a, a client of mine recently who um, was a relationship counsellor. And um, he'd never used the media before. Uh, like everyone, he'd been using Facebook, social media, trying to get his name out there, had got an event, and he'd actually cancelled the event because he couldn't fill it. He tried to promote it and got nowhere. Um, and so I said, let's do a local media release. It's a local event. Let's get your story in the paper. Um, and we did. Um, he'd, uh, we got him in on the Saturday paper, in his local paper. The event was on the Tuesday. And by the Tuesday, he filled it. 
yeah. that's from one media release. Um, and people say, well, there's lots of relationship counsellors near where he lives. Yes, there is. But did they pitch their story to the paper? No, they didn't. So he's instantly stood out. People have found him. They've read about him. He got calls after it as well from people inquiring. Um, and then he's got a whole fresh new audience that he couldn't reach through the digital space. Um, so it can be extremely powerful, extremely powerful and, and very simple. And I, and I think, again, there you're breaking down some of those myths about, you know, the, the PR publicity side of things, too, is that it can be one of those you touched upon about the expense. Now, I will say um, I've been working with a PR company now for a few months now. But before that, before I actually chose mine, I didn't know you at that stage, Susie. Um, before I chose that, I will say that I literally had contact with, if off the top of my head, it was either 13 or 14 different agencies across Australia. Yeah. And I had kind of my scope or project, what I was really looking for. Like I really want to hit in Forbes. I want to hit in Huffington Post. I want to hit like on these, you know, I kind of had my wish list and yeah. then there's my reality list, right? Yeah. And the prices literally ranged from, for what I wanted. Now, remember for those that are out there, I'm not saying everything that you want is going to be say $900 a month, for example, right? But roughly $900 to thousand dollars a month for what I wanted there are other things that you might only want half of what I want so it could be less expenses okay so let's just clarify that and then I for the same stuff other agencies was literally quoting me fifteen thousand dollars for the month yeah for the exact same thing yeah now, doesn't surprise me I almost fell off my chair because as a small business owner like you've just spoken about who wants to do something a little bit different and test because I'm all about testing mm. um, and, and and not putting all my eggs in one basket so if PR does work for me for example through media releases etc then obviously yes I want to try that I want to work with it but if it doesn't well then I try something different but I'd never tried it before because again I thought it was too expensive mm. so in the grand scheme of things yes you know say a thousand dollars a month to fifteen thousand dollars and again, there's no guarantees, right? I was mm. quietly freaking out going, oh my goodness, <laughs> what do I do with this? Like $15,000, yeah. that's to me an enormous amount in the risk. So yeah, interesting that you bring that up too, because not all agencies are expensive. So for those that are out there, you know, afterwards, we'll give you Susie's details to contact, but definitely, I mean, don't be put off if you call first two people and they're quoting you larger numbers. Not everyone do you know what I mean? Is like that. So I think that's important. Do you know what I mean? To yeah, talk. it is important. And there is a difference between agencies as there is with any business service. 100%. You know, one web developer is not the same as another. So yes. And I think, and that's what I always say to people as well. It's, I try to educate my clients as I go, because I think it's really important that they understand what I'd be doing for them and how I'd be helping them because there's nothing worse than them having this sort of expectation or idea of what's going to happen and actually it's just not realistic so mm. you know had you come to me and said I want to be on HuffPost and Forbes and blah 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 I would have said right let's rewind have you got a media profile yet no yes. Let's let's build that up. And lots of people will overlook their local media because they turn their nose up at it and think, oh, it's just the local paper. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's the first stepping stone in getting into the media. Um, and you build credibility, credibility not only for your business, but amongst journalists and other press. Because don't underestimate how much they're looking at you. So once you get coverage, journalists are scouring papers for stories. 
um, and picking up. And if if you keep appearing and, oh, she's been in a local paper and she was on the local radio and she's been on ABC podcast or whatever it might be, you start to build up a media profile um, and that becomes attractive because you're less of a risk to them in the future mm-hmm. because you're already kind of talent checked by yes. other media that's covered you. Yes. 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 So and they're I, more likely to use you. And I would agree again in my experience in the last few months, because I have had a bit of media profile with my first business. Um, we were able to leverage that. Like I work with Netflix as one of their top 30 bloggers and I work with Pino Cruises and a bunch of those other. So they knew, well, hold on, these bigger brands aren't going to work with her unless she's got some credibility. Um, but yeah. whereas we work with clients of mine who have none, and again, you're very right. It's You can't look at the big picture like Forbes or Huffington Post until you've got some credibility and it has to start somewhere. Yes. You, you have to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah totally. And just because you have credibility on Facebook and Instagram doesn't mean <laughs> that journalists see that credibility as the same, same, because they're, no. in a they're in a different field. So I think that's also another important thing to, doesn't matter if you've got 2 million followers on Facebook, but if you've got nothing else, yeah. um, that they will also wonder. And that's why it goes back to don't put all your eggs in one basket. You've got to make sure that you're playing the field. You know? Totally. And journalists aren't daft. They know that people can buy followers and likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of fake, you know, profiles <laughs> out there. Get me started. Yes. yes. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to them. <laughs> it does my head in. I'm like, really? You really? All of you guys are all on an Instagram pod and you're all commenting <laughs> on everything. I'm like, but whatever. But some people just look at numbers. You know, that's a yeah. whole other podcast. But yes. Yes. So now for those <laughs> listeners out there, they're like, OK, great. Susie and Ange, I really you've sold me on having to do you know I mean look outside of those regular social media platforms mm-hmm. and look at some of the traditional media platforms, I guess you could say, like local paper, radio, etc. Yeah. Um, what would you say for those who are starting, whether or not they've got money to spend or whether they don't have money to spend what would you say are the five key ingredients on how to create a media release okay well ultimately first of all you've got to find your story because a media release is a story it's not an advert it's not um something that's promoting something it's a story um and i always say to people pick up your local paper read the editorial stories ignore all the ads and and the paid ads that have got Um, URLs and links to special offers because they're all paid for look at the pure editorial stories are they overtly selling you something no they're not they're they're telling a story that you want to read so first of all it's about finding your story and when you've got that you've got the bones for your media release Um, then there's a few sort of logistics of a media release so a media release should fit to one page Um, it's another myth Uh, And you'll see a lot of big brands and I get um, PR agencies sometimes sending me media releases and I've had brand ones sent to me and they're reams long or they're covered in logos and links. No, none of that. Journalists are not interested in any of that. It's got to be one page. It's got to be succinct and don't include any pictures or attachments or external links. Not required. Yep. Um, the other really important thing, and I find a lot of small businesses trip over on this, is that it's one release, one story angle. Don't try and tell the whole story of your business in one media release. Um, it's not going to work. Um, the journalist needs to be able to find one strong, meaty hook in your story, and that's the hook, and that's the story. If they then read on and, oh, and she's done this, and, oh, she's telling me about that, you've lost them. 
because all of a sudden they can't see what the story is because there's too many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people find that really hard to do and they download everything on me. They want to tell me everything. So it's great. We're just going to pick one little bit and they will tell me, oh, but, but you've missed this really important bit and there's this great bit. That's okay. That's another story. But they will find out about that by using this one story. Mm-hmm. It's all inferred in there and they will find it. So another example I use is of a lady who um, I pitched to a, a, a radio, an ABC radio show and she wanted to um, promote what she does in her business. But she had a book and I knew she had a book, but I wasn't pitching a book. I was pitching her story and what she did. So anyway, she got picked up and it was a great show. And the book then happened to get mentioned just in the general conversation that the interviewer um, spoke to her about. And um, the very next day, she got a call from a Sydney bookstore who wanted to stock her book. Now, we didn't pitch her book. And this is what I tried to say to people. Yes, she got that. Yes, she did. Uh, she had this business and she'd done this. And she, I think she'd got her own podcast. You know, yes, we know that. One story, one release, far more powerful. Um, the next thing it's, um, and it's a, a, just a little tip, um, media releases are written in the third person, yeah. not the first person. Again, something people forget. They try to tell a story as if it's uh, from them, but it's not. It's all written in the third person. Um, and I suppose the final thing is it's, it's the headline. Having a really killer headline is a great way to hook a journalist. Um, and that headline is not just on the actual document that you attach in the email and paste in the email. It's the title of your subject line as well, uh, because that's what's going to attract the journalist's uh, or the producer's attention. Um, don't just put media release attached or your name or your business name. That means nothing to them. And you've got to remember that journalists are getting upward of 100 pictures a day, depending on who they work for. Um, And they will just delete anything that is not attractive and makes them want to click open. So like clickbait on a a Facebook post, your headline has got to be clickbait. Um, It's got to make them want to open your email and read your release. Perfect. So really, to to recap how to create a media release, we one want to find a really cool story that is no pitch zone, really. But again, something that tells a story brings people along that journey. Two, we want to make sure that the media release is one page with no frills. We don't want pictures. We don't want links. We don't want logos. We just want what is the story. And then tip number three, as you said, Susie, is we want one release and one story angle. We don't want to oversaturate them. We don't want to lose the journalist. We want to keep it succinct to the point. Yeah. Um, four, we want to have it your media release written in third person. And five, as you just said, Susie, we want a really killer headline. Uh, it, you know, again, as you said, it really wants to be clickbait because we want the journalist to for that to stand out in their email inbox and go, yep, yeah, I want to at least explore what this person has to offer. So. Awesome. What wonderful, simple, and again, I would say that people probably overcomplicate things sometimes, Susie. So if they go back to the five mm. tips that you've just mentioned on how to create a media release, then more than likely, again, they've, they've got their foot in the door more than the majority of people who are trying to create, you know, a media release. Yeah, and, and the story is crucial. Um, you know, 
if it, if it's not perfectly written and you know there might even be a typo in it you know it's not going to be perfect it's the story thereafter and again I use an example of when I first came to Australia and I was trying to get to know people and I decided to run a charity event to get to know some of my neighbors and invite them along for a charity that was close to my heart and linked to a story I had now I knew this was a great story and I knew the local paper would want to cover this as it happened, it got picked up by the state paper as well. But I, I didn't even, um, I didn't write it in a formal media release. I found out the local paper's um, contact details. I wrote the story. I emailed it to them. By eight o'clock the next morning, they were on the phone to me. I didn't follow protocol. I just wanted to get the story to them. I knew they would, I knew they would bite my hand off for it. Um, so the, the content is crucial. You've got a good story. Generally, the media will take it. Yeah, perfect. So again, because again, they when they publish it on whatever platform they're publishing it, they want it to stand out. And in a world where things are very noisy, whether or not that's in newspapers, online, radio, they want to have a you know, I guess, unique point of difference. So those things that people are pitching really need to stand out. Yeah, well, they've got to sell papers or um, uh, get readership. So they need their readers, listeners to read and listen. So they've got to be picky and there's only so much space in a, in a print publication and local paper cutbacks have meant that, you know, a lot of them aren't publishing daily anymore. You have to fight for space, so it's harder to get in it. So they can be selective um, and they turn away more than they take. Um, and same with radio. You've got to have a good story. The airtime is, is valuable. So once the listeners out there have put your five tips on how to create a media release to, to good use, can you give the listeners, you know, a couple suggestions on where to send their media release once they've created it? Yeah, um, certainly can. And this is another really important point. Who your media release is written to, so the media target is crucial. And you will write a media release with the media target in mind. So, and this is one of my big bugbears about some of the big PR agencies. They will write one release and they will fire it out to as many targets as they can. And it's not been tailored to that media target. Um, so the way you would write to a print is different to radio, is different to TV, is different to which state it's in. There are so many variables. And so if you've got say three or four targets that you feel it's appropriate to, that's fine, but make sure you tweak the text in your media release. And a very simple example is um, if you are sending it to a state paper and a local paper, you would change the word to local Sydney girl, woman, whatever, as, as opposed to, um, sorry, uh, local and the suburb name, as opposed to Sydney. Yes. So it's just simple things that need changing. So the target is crucial and you write the media release with the target in mind. And therefore, where you pitch it is based around, well, where are your customers? So it's no good doing a release in your um, state paper if actually your customers are only in your immediate locality. So if you were a local hairdresser, for example, you're not interested in trying to reach people 50 kilometers away. Um, so you've got to understand where your customers are. You've also got to understand what is your aim with this media release. Are you trying to sell products? Are you trying to raise uh, awareness of your personal profile? So if, I, if you were, say, um, let's say you sold fashion items, um, 
a great media target could be a fashion magazine, one of the glossies or something. But if you, you were a business owner and, yes, you sold fashion, but your aim was to raise your profile as a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, you might do a release into a business publication on that occasion. You've got to think about the purpose of what you're trying to do and who you're trying to talk to. And you've got to make sure that what that story is, is relevant to that readership. So um, I write for Inside Small Business quite regularly. So it no good be me talking about big brand names in a small business publication. I might reference them to, to give examples, but I've got to make sure it's tailored to the small business community. And so it's really important when you're picking who to send it to that you know why you're using them, understand their readership, listener base, whatever it is, um, and write to them. Gosh, what a good summary that you've just given us in regards to (laughs) and those tips, because there'll be people out there probably going, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, oh, gosh, I probably should have done that. Or, yeah, I just blasted every, do you know what I mean, email to the same people and didn't, do you know I mean, tweak it. It's the same thing when I work with media companies for some of my clients. And I'm like, corporate language is going to be different to local language. It's it's, It's very different. So if you're pitching them that even their media kits, I'll say your media kit, you need to have two or three of them, depending on who you're pitching it to, because they're going to want to see that you're a little bit more upscale market, you know, in the corporate, whereas like if it's a local, they might not want all the gloss because maybe they don't fit or see themselves in that. So again, people need to be very mindful about, you know, who, who they're sending this information to, regardless if it's a media release or if it's a media kit, you know, you always have to consider who's receiving it on the other end. Totally. And yeah, and good point. The language you use is vital. I have so many people who speak in their industry language. Um, Coaches start talking about NLP and mindset and yada yada. No, the general public, that's for a local paper, the general public don't know what that is. And I guarantee the journalist doesn't know what that is. Um, So you've, and, and journalists know a lot about. Uh, sorry, a little about a lot of things. And you've got to remember that. Whereas you know a lot about your little thing. Um, So you've got to talk in in widely used language. (laughs) And again, I think, again, don't overcomplicate it. Keep things simple. Sometimes, again, people just, it needs to be relatable. So, so, well, Susie, listen, it has been a blast today having you on the podcast to talk about how (laughs) to create a media release. But for those listeners out there who would like to get in touch, potentially stalk you, there's always a little, you know, it's nothing wrong with a healthy stalk to see where you are, Susie. Where can they find you? So you can find me in my Facebook group, which is called Ambitious Business Owners Become Known, Become Famous. You can find me via my website, littleblackbookmarketing.com, and that's got all the links to me. Um, And I love, you know, just call me, email me. I'm very happy to connect with people. Um, and we'll chat about media all day. <laughs> Dude, and I think you and I could probably chat all day also. So. <laughs> but no, I appreciate you taking time out. Um, again, you've got a busy schedule, so I appreciate your wealth of knowledge on this particular topic about how to create a media release. And for all those others, my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook group, the Australian Business Collaborative. We're getting close to 4,000 business members. So, so make sure you join us because I love connecting with people. Um, I love connecting even more face-to-face, but the Australian Business Collaborative Facebook group is a good starting stone so for all of those have an awesome day no matter where you are in the world and i look forward to connecting with you soon and thanks again Susie. 
Thanks very much, Angela. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au